Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, it's uh, the podcaster who can be as warm as a warming blanket, or as warm as could be as warm as a whatever patrons. This is for you, or as cool as breeze uh, coming across the room. It's time for the podcast you support. Thank you so much, and uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble staying asleep, trouble getting to sleep, uh, or the other way around, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's a thoughts, feelings, you know, so stuff that comes up that you're thinking about, or feelings you're experiencing emotionally or physically. Whatever it is, I'd like to take your mind off of that. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. Uh, I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones. Those are creaky dulcet tones, just in case, uh, like, uh, sometimes uh, newer listeners say, because I, I don't, I'm not the best at pronunciation. Uh, so it's creaky, like a door, dulcet, like a, like a sweet tone. Like, a, some people say, I'm trying to think of someone that, well, like, Buble. I would believe with someone like Buble. Uh, has uh, has a dulcet tones, uh, or our own uh, our, our own jazz singer on the show, the silver tone. Oh, so miss it. creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders. You just witnessed one when I was trying to uh, went from creaky, creaky dulcet tones to a pointless meander, to saying pointless meander, superfluous tangents, uh, unresolved metaphors. Holy cow! As someone said, misusing metaphors, actually, that was the letter I got from the Greater Metaphorical Council. And then I said, okay, how do I read this letter, right? See, am I reading too much into this letter or not? Uh, so that was, that took me a few, it took a few weeks of reading, rereading and rereading. Here, here's an idea. Don't like, uh, send, just, 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 uh, I guess this is a quibble. Just a piece of advice. Metaphor account, like, well, there's yeah, councils of metaphors. I've gotten letters from them. Metaphorical councils, check. Uh, other one, you know, anything, if you're sending, if you are a council of metaphors, either way, or a metaphorical council, uh, you know, or associate metaphor, you know, met associations, believe me, I'm lumping you all together for this thing. It, when you contact me officially, send it to a third party. It, first of all, it'll put me, it, it'll definitely get my attention, but then I won't have to worry about uh, unless you, you know unless you're sending it. You know what I mean? I think you know what I mean. I, I'm sure for the new listeners, they're like, "What is this person talking about?" But it's just really hard, especially with the amount of letters I get on behalf. Uh, that would be on behalf of the metaphor. Council, the Greater Greater Omaha Metaphor Council. I know it's Greater. I know there was a Boise Association of Metaphor Enthusiasts, and I said appreciate the letter, but holy cow, don't, it's just really because I figure you know it's like if someone here's oh here's a question totally unrelated to this. Don't new listeners stick with me, please. Sorry. Here's a question for crossword fans. Not this is a straightforward question. Uh, how many like do do you sit like if you're I'm talking cro crossword create creation fans. Uh, so those of you that create crosswords. Also, if you're a fan of crosswords, uh, I think it came out about uh, 18 months ago. There's an illusionist episode about crosswords. M m wonderful. Uh, and I'm excited to see Helen very soon, live, hopefully twice in a row. Okay, but um, what was my point? Oh, I was wondering if you send, so if you write crosswords, uh, like, uh, do, do, you, do you send a lot of people letter, like, do you, have you composed letters made of crosswords? Like, uh, you know, love letters, 
you know, for, you know, letters of love, you know, the different, you know, agape love letters, uh, more love letters, some filio. I guess it would be prayers if you're using agape the one. Uh, that would, I, I bet you if whatever higher power you're sending a crossword-based uh, love letter to, if I was a higher power, I mean, I wouldn't, well, if I was a higher power, I probably would be able to um, solve it. Normally, I, I have dyslexia, so those are tough. But can you talk, like, seriously, if you're looking for some bonus points, uh, you know, just switch it up and say, well, what are you doing over there, uh, uh, Janine? Uh, well, I'm, I'm writing my prayers. Writing your prayers? We don't write prayers in this home. What well, we do now. Well, that's not a pr- 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 prayer. That looks like you're doing a crossword. It is. It's a, I'm putting my prayer within a crossword. I'm sorry, what? Uh, that could only be a bonding moment. Even in like a movie like Footloose, I think uh, like they'd say, wow, that's really a creative way to a kind of, really, uh, you really get it. Anyway, uh, oh, so my, I guess my main question was if you write crosswords, Took me four minutes. Uh, if you write crosswords, do you send letters in crossword form? Because uh, that's cool. I guess all I want to say is, if you do that, that is unbelievably cool. Like uh, that's that's so cool. Uh, I just can't stop thinking about it now. Anyway, if you're a new listener, it went off. That was my second uh, or fourth or fifth tangent in there. So let me just get back to you. I'm glad you're here. I'm trying to create a safe place to take your mind off of what's ever keeping you awake. This show is more than a bit different. It uh, it had it it uh, it's it's a, it's goofy. You might already notice I don't make a whole lot of sense, and then I check out. I said, "Well, let me think." I was just I can't stop thinking about that. Uh, well, would you do it? Because right, I know you're thinking the same thing. First of all, you probably need some sort of. You, you, do you do it on? Do they do it on graph paper, freehand, or on a computer program? Or, or, or yeah, with a rule like a straight line, or one of those square rules, or whatever they're called. Yeah, compass. I wonder if circ. I think there are circular crosswords. That's a thing. I'm glad we're having this little talk, new listener. But there's a. Let me just check in with these other new listeners too. So if you're new, I'm glad you're here. Let me just give you a little orientation for the show. Uh, structurally, the podcast starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep the show free. And it's not super important if you're new, but that's why it's at the top of the show. Uh, then we have an intro, which uh, we're about, uh, I think we're about eight minutes into it already, which is pretty good. Maybe nine uh, and the intros are normally around 12 to 14 to 16 minutes. And it's really a part of the show. I call it the intro. It might be a slow warm-up uh, or, like, whatever, like a monologue. Like, if there was a w- way to say super slow monologue that uh, never takes off, really, I could just say it like that, a monologue. So, but, but here's the way listeners use the intro. Some listeners fall asleep during the intro. A lot of listeners use it as they're part starting to wind down. Either they're, they're prepping for bed, uh, or they're in bed and, you know, they're just getting comfortable. You know, you get, you get your temperature. You want a nice long runway or some listeners do. Now there's some listeners, you could skip ahead to 16, 18 minutes and you just get the intros. And there's some people that support the show on Patreon because they get story-only episodes. So there's you don't have to consume the intro, but ideally it becomes something familiar for the regular listener. But it's different every time because whatever I was just talking about before, I never talked. I'm pretty sure I just got a letter from a higher power that said, hey, great idea. Can't believe no one's... Uh, they said, you know, there are instances, this particular higher power said they were aware of other higher powers getting crossword-based prayers or communicates. You know, some of you may say, well, I, you know, I just communicate with it. Or, but this particular higher power said never got a crossword-based uh, communique. And I said, well, we'll change that together. Also, what kind of powers do you have that you could bestow on me? And you know, just let me get you, can I get a no smoting 
a memo from you, guaranteed 100% no smokes. Oh, they hung up the phone. So, okay, whoa, because I was talking to new listeners. So there's some new stuff in the intro every time. But it's also familiar, so you can say, ah, Scoots is here. It's like the show is kind of a bit like, for a lot of listeners, a bedtime story that never gets started. Uh, but the bedtime story is still here if you can't fall asleep. Tonight we'll be talking about The Good Place. That's our second segment. So we do the intro, a little bit of business again tucked in there to keep the show going. Uh, then I'll talk about The Good Place. Uh, and, you know, you see, mostly I'll be trying to re- decipher my notes from watching it. Uh, then I'll look up some stuff. I say, well... Diane von Fostenberg. Uh, first, I'll try to go on YouTube and figure out how to ma- properly pronounce that. Then I'll say, okay, let's do some research. Uh, so that'll be what the Good Place stuff is like. Uh, and all told, we'll be here for about an hour. A couple other things if you're new, especially if this is your first time listening. No pressure to like the show or to have it work for you. And of course, you're skeptical or maybe even a little bit perturbed. Because this podcast is way, it's hard to prepare for it, right? If, especially if you're new, you're saying, yeah, what in the heck? Uh, and I'd say, yeah, that's why almost every regular listener says it takes two or three tries to get used to the show or for it to put you to sleep. I mean, there are some people, you know, the the people that we talked about that did send, the people that do send letters by crossword, they they say, finally, we're getting our due here. And they're going to go into work tomorrow, believe me, with a spray, whatever, unless they slept through it, which is pretty high probability. But, uh, you know, they'll have a spring in their step. They'll say, hey, hey, Jerome, what do you, what you, what's with that big smile? And they say, I told you I was cool. You, but, you know, let me get, give, me, give me that spreadsheet. I'm ready. By the way, you look great. Uh, it, or maybe they would send the person a crossword, let, let, you know, to keep it. That would, actually, they'd probably give encouragement instead of praise. So they'd say, how, how, how do, how'd you change your hair up? I just can't, like, uh, it, it really looks like you put a lot of decision-making into that and, and great, great decision-making. I'm not sure if that's encouragement. That's my attempt uh, at this layers of imaginary characters in my brain. So, uh Oh, what was my point for the new listener? Sorry about that. Give it a few tries. Uh, also, there's no pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here for an hour. The reason the shows are an hour and it has this like drawn out, in, in, super fun intro uh, to sleep to, but that's also drawn out. And then uh, me kind of talking about a 22 minute episode of The Good Place for about 45 minutes. So you have plenty of time to fall asleep. So there's no pressure on you. Uh, so they can be here to keep you company and because there are some listeners that for whatever reason can't fall asleep and those are you sleeping is really important but anybody that can't sleep is super important to me because i want you to know i'm here to keep you company it's really what my commitment is is to keep you a company keep you company whether you're awake or asleep and since I can't, I have to express that to you directly because I couldn't, you know, put it in a crossword. It would say four, scoots four down. There's no word that has a Q and a Z in it in, in that. Oh, oh, really? Shoot. Oh, it's a, okay. So you, you, no pressure to fall asleep and no pressure to listen. I think that part made itself apparent during this intro. You don't need to listen to me. You know, you could lower the volume to whatever temp, temp, t- uh, volume works for you. And again, this doesn't work for everybody. Show, the podcast just naturally, you know, there's different things for different people. So if you don't like the show or you don't think you're going to like it or you don't even want to give it another listen, that's cool too. But I'm here to help. That's my main thing. And the main reason I want to help is because I've been there. I know I know how it is, uh, tossing and turning. I mean, clearly, uh, you you got a good idea what's going on with me. Uh, but also, if you're new, I want to thank you for checking the show out and giving it a try. And to let you know that uh, I work very hard and I strive and I yearn because I, I really want to help you fall asleep. Uh, thanks again. And here's a couple ways we keep the show uh, going. Okay, everybody, we're talking about uh, uh, episode... Uh, good question, Scoots. What, uh, I think it's 12, uh, season 3, episode 12. 
GDCs as a time knife. Uh, and it opens with uh, walking through what we saw with the, the judge and the door person. Um, a walkway, a little bit more detail. So we see some zeppelins or some blimps, pneumatic tubes, oh, possibly Hyperloop. I forgot to look up Hyperloop, though. Uh, there's no steam, so, so I wouldn't say it's a steampunk elements. It's it's steam, steampunk, uh, maybe adjacent. I don't know how to describe it because there's these old globe street lights. Uh, they seem to be kind of on a bridge over uh, nothingness. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. It really cool set design. Uh, in the off season, I'll try to listen to the podcast so I could see kind of uh, any details I can find out about that. The Good Place podcast. Uh, uh, there's elevators moving fast up and down. Michael kind of talks about how the interdimensional hole of pancakes, the IHAP that we're going to, is like the Grand Central Station for space and time. Is something, oh, uh, uh, Jason and um, Eleanor share a high five on the IHOP uh, thing. Jason says, uh, Michael is in a he's a good 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 place bad place uh, bow tie and stuff. Uh, again, I guess I'm looking forward to listening to the good place podcast again, or maybe not because it'll give me too much information of why he changes suits and stuff. I just find it interesting though. Great for this podcast and a bunch of background nuggets in this one uh, for me to spot. Uh, uh, Post life writing. Oh, so there's like the, the kind of um, whatever the uh, cryptographic writing or, or uh, language they use in the post-life writing, that's what I call it, is on the door, uh, which the door doesn't uh, open as so much as it dematerializes. She's a little slow to go through it. She doesn't want to go. Michael gives him the old option one. And they get into a surreal world, uh, the 10th dimension, where Michael says, oh, they added a 10th dimension. You added, looks like, uh, oh, this is great Tahani stuff. Uh, uh, she says, it looks like we're on a Diane von Fostenberg pattern. And then, it was like, she goes, it was from Spring 2013 collection. I don't know what that last thing says. Maybe, oh, fashion, maybe, because it looks like it says fast lane. Uh, Jason mentions this, maybe from too much uh, salvia. Which for a dyslexic, like any time I tried to type it or write it out during the writing of this episode, uh, it like makes me think of saliva. Even when I was Googling it, I'm like, it's not going to come up. Saliva's going to come up. Uh, and again, staring at it, I say, salvia, that's easy, salvia. It's also a road named after the most famous sales in the world. Also, if if uh, Sal Castaneda, that's my local weather person, uh, he 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 like uh, that would be where he lives. Uh, where do you live? I live on Salvia. So saliva, sa, li, va. So sa, s a, l i, v a, va. Maybe. The thirty-eight. I don't know what that means. Oh, chapter thirty-eight. That's the episode. I'm already like a few minutes behind the episode here. Jason and Janet have a nice little talk. Really good, like a really nice one. A lot of good puns in there. Uh, talking about no time like the present. Uh, uh, he says, uh, <laughs> I wish some of these things I could even say in the podcast. Uh, uh, but J- she said, Jason says he's catching feelings, and then he says double dice, uh, but he, he uses a different term, a single di- dice, though. Uh, he, he, he just, man. Uh, date, so they set up a date, actually, or, or a potential to go on a date, uh, and there's even more puns in there, because uh, the date is set kind of with puns. So then uh, the judge comes back. I don't think I've given my Rudolph her due. Uh, so we will uh, touch on that later. But, uh, like, uh, what a wonderful screen presence and comedian, uh, actress, uh, and just perfect casting for the judge, uh, really. Uh, just, just when we need it, uh, and especially for this episode, carrying it through. Uh, judge arrives. Uh, she's not happy with Michael. 
she says she likes cheaty, sexy cheaty, sexy male person cheaty. I wonder if she, I wonder if she's seen shirtless cheaty. Cause I don't know if she like, like, uh, if she saw a shirtless cheaty on earth in, um, a sprinklers, uh, she'd be, she'd be, have a human experience probably. But Tahani gets a pet. I think the name of the pet was the Need Noggle. Uh, Need Noggle. I didn't Google that one, though. Uh, Cheaty stressed. uh, Judge uh, uh, creates an illusion. So so it's like like being in a surreal painting, like a Diane Diane von Faustenberg print. Uh, So it's really disorienting for everybody. So the judge creates an illusion. Our prowlant realtor to normal IHOP. Uh, oh, augment. That looks like. It does look like augment. It doesn't look like reality. But she augments the reality to a normal IHOP. Uh, it looks like a cogent realtor. Uh, that would be a good magazine. Well, magazines you subscribe to. Uh, Whatever it was, a lame, lame contest magazine, word contest magazine, and uh, cogent realtor. Oh, are you a realtor? No, I don't, actually, I don't even know what cogent means. I have a general guess, uh, but it only only comes out one one issue a decade anyway, so I'm still waiting for it. Uh, here at Green Key Realty, we have uh, cogent realtors. Uh, I'm the cogent realtor. It, 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 once I look up cogent, I'll figure out a, a joke to put in here. Uh, to normal IHOP, the need noggle is turned into a scarf. It's still the need noggle, just an illusion that it's a scarf. Need noggles are very cute. A judge sits uh, down. A judge sits. I mean, she sits down. Michael does a presentation. Life is back in Trek's sport coat. Oh, he's back in, like uh, in his uh, tie and sport coat. T-I-E-X currently means tie. Okay, let's see. 434, you're supposed to pause for tam- Tambure. Let's go back because it's already way ahead of me. About 434 in the episode because, again, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not exactly, let's see, oh, that's five minutes. So this is a scene where uh, Michael's talking to the judge. Judge is sitting. He's got a um, plaid kind of sport coat print. Everyone else is in different outfits other than Cheaty, I believe. Oh, here we go. It, it was a behind-the-scenes note. I guess it wasn't supposed to read it. I was supposed to go here so I can read this readout uh, for Doug... L-E-R-P-I-S-S, S, like a Green Lantern symbol with some sort of Space Invader symbol dash 41. Just in case you you know you want to look up his his other numbers are nine eight seven two six three five five six one three four dash two three seven six six five six dash yug yug and let's see what doug did uh, purchased one gardener's delight tomato from food and stuff grocery store this was in snarling indiana usa april 9th 2009 4 18 18 local time is that 4 a.m doug buddy you gotta get yourself going to the grocery store Negative 12.368 attributed point total. Which if you're a tomato fan, uh, this could be hard. Uh, top relevant point additions. Uh, purchase of nominally healthy food stuff. Uh, point positive 3.019. Intention to make salad for a family. Positive 2.222228. A volunteer to go to the store instead of his cousin. It's only plus point zero six six one six. I'm calling foul on that. Uh, volunteering to go to the store should be like definitely positive many points. Uh, relative relevant point subtractions though. You know where the tomato was grown and how it was grown. Uh, deduction includes both uh, use of stuff to do it, uh, surrounding farmlands. Uh, Louisa Imogene. 
Uh, oh, this is a CF uh, account. So Louisa Imogene, uh, Imogene uh, Whalen regarding uh, ripple effects uh, uh, and uh, with regard to rainwater runoff. Uh, this is a negative 8.313. Uh, labor force. You can check the accounts of Lars and Erica with regards to uh, migrant labors or treatments. Uh, also, especially Erica's uh, presentation, how do we calculate the effects of farm labor when the farmers essentially don't have any options? That's from Bear Me, number 211-GG1-ETPPPP10. Uh, her total rolls in at negative 6.3198. Uh, then that it was shipped uh, using fuel efficient inefficient vehicles as negative like uh, NBC sign again negative something. Uh, so that's uh, that was that. Uh, that's why I was supposed to pause for Thurber. I don't know if James Thurber's calling into the podcast. Also, sort of look in the background a little bit. There's an old time radio in the background. My Rudolph says to Michael, your big revelation is life is complicated. It's like something from a throw pillow. Do the research if you're going to buy a tomato. Uh, Michael stuck, so he does, he flosses. uh, And he says, well, the backpack kid dance makes people happy. Chidi tries to quote John Paul Sartre. Uh, Jason says, boring, I got this. and he tells a story about Big Noodle being late to rehearsal and then a swamp flood at his uh, house, uh, four grandparents sharing the same way. Again, worth a rewatch just for Jason saying Willy Wonka. I'm not even kidding. It's probably worth uh, two or three rewatches. Also, you're going to be catching more and more stuff in the background. There's uh, well, I'll have notes up here. Everyone's amazed. Uh, he says you can't judge humans. Zappy, zappy, marble, marble. Uh, judge is going to go into Earth. Uh, she goes some, she's going to start in Mexico. And then she's really, she's back really fast. Uh, she says, uh, she, sheesh, uh, uh, woof, and uh, something else. I can't read my, be, re, regala. What other words would you say it was she, she, sheesh, rough? Oh, it's rough, y'all. Oh, she says C R A P y'all. She went. She went to uh, Tanzania, Paraguay, uh, Vietnam, and Denmark. Uh, always, you know, tr- rough in a different way. Also, uh, sail on an outlaw mall in Michigan for the deals. Uh, say, why would you go there? And and uh, Friday after Thanksgiving, she rubs her hands. Uh, I think, uh, or no, she's rubbing her feet. That was really a note that I just stuck with me, even though I couldn't read my writing of the brilliance that she returns to Earth, and the first thing she does is rub her feet. She says it's hot and crowd, crowded on Earth, yet somehow cold and lonely. And I say, you're singing my song. Uh, that's when I started to notice stuff in the background too. There's pancakes on tables stacked up. Uh, WTF. Uh, Instead of us, uh, I think there's syrup, but then there's also a growing, glowing green and pink, uh, hot pink and a hot, hot green or neon green slime in the, uh, with the syrup, in syrup containers. Uh, they talk about this chicken sandwich conundrum, uh, Chidi's choice theory, uh, you know, because Chidi could never make a decision. And uh, the judge says, you're nobody's problem. Then Sean, they send Sean in to have a discussion among everybody. Uh, and he's discussing the plot of the Entourage movie. He was using that on William Shakespeare. Uh, that was cool. Kind of, oh, then the judge says, let's relocate to another uh, scene. So they head off to a conference room. Humans might be a- 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 average better, but just a little bit better than the. Uh, a smidge or something better. Uh, and uh, uh, Sean says, what about Limp Biscuit? Uh, and the judge says, you got a point. I'll just tell you this in factoid now that is so sweet. It's Limp Biscuits from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Jacksonville. Uh, so that's uh, cool. Uh, 
I mean, that's just so sweet. It doesn't get, that's when life, you can't get any better than that. Uh, people are trying. John says so at some point, he says he doesn't care. Full stop. End of story. Uh, but then they use the uh, Soul Squad as an example. Why did they get better? It was a fluke. Uh, actually, he didn't even track the point totals, Michael. Uh, Chidi uh, tries to stand up and make a point, and he falls, you know, because they're actually, this is just an illusion, right? So they're over there in the uh, IHOP uh, uh, dimension, and so Chidi kind of goes through a portal or something, shrinks it down, starts shooting across the room. It re- just right when you need a little punch-up, they say, Chidi, anybody got eyes on Chidi? Elmer says, grab my tiny boyfriend. And Chidi comes back. He says, I just saw, I've been to like a trillion different realities, uh, holding on to one another like sheets of metal, forming a single blade. And they say, that's a time knife. I couldn't find any, well, we'll talk about it in there. Like, uh, and Mike goes, yeah, it's just a time knife. Uh, that's what we call it. Chidi goes, I saw the time knife. Again, the acting is just so good. Uh, Michael is right. No variables. Uh, Oh, this is Eleanor's point. You know, I think that, you know, and I disagreed though. I don't think this is a positive thing. She said, yeah, there wasn't any variables that, uh, make uh, life on earth hard, like paying rent and stuff. Uh, but then they also go to a call back to Simone's data collection, which is, uh, was a good, I don't, I don't know. It was someone that tried to figure out how to, how to do this. Uh, I liked that call back, uh, uh, and then they say, we're going to get new people, which I put a big WTF just because it's like a what, holy cliffhanger. I mean, we still have one episode left, but, you know, how am I going to contain myself? Is there going to be four more uh, cast members here? Or what are they like? There's just so many creative choices they can make. Uh, it's just uh, how they manage, again, to keep making the show fresh after three seasons. Uh He's a tribute to the creators and everybody that works on this show. Uh, new people could be proof uh, where, oh, where are we going to do it? Because uh, we can't do it in the good place or the bad place. Uh, and they say, Eleanor says, I got an idea. So every this this episode has everything. Mindy St. Clair shows up. Uh, uh, they say, can we do it in your backyard? Uh, and she says, for what, I don't care. You know, they're just classic Mindy St. Clair. Uh, here's another reason, again, to rewatch it. I didn't write down the time, but do yourself a favor. I put, uh, watch, I mean, just rewatch this whole episode, maybe in slow motion, around with uh, 12 minutes uh, when you're skipping the commercials. Uh, but Mindy St. Clair has this painting above her fireplace that uh, is just beyond unbelievable. I can't. I can try to describe it to you, but it won't do it justice. It looks like a young Billy Idol, or a blonde-haired, uh, who's this super handsome dude uh, that everybody loves from? Uh, why can't I, th- I have his name on the next page? Okay, amazing, like a young Billy Idol or got Ryan Gosling uh, in, in kind of like a surfer bra, like a, with a surfer bra look, but then either on the shoulder, this is a painting above a fireplace, uh, is on the shoulder of the, uh, here's here's something for Ryan Gosling to think about. Well, first of all, does Billy Idol have any uh, autobiography? And we could just do a fiction. We could work together, Goss. Also, can I call you Goss? Uh, uh, what about you playing young Billy Idol? I mean, again, we'd probably, I don't know, but um, with a pair to Macaw on the shoulder. And Mindy says, leave me out of it. If you need to talk to anybody, talk to Derek. And she kind of leans in, into that on Janet. Uh, and then Jason gets to find out who J- Derek is. Uh, she says, he's my rebound son. And then uh, she's like, Derek didn't work right. Uh, and then I couldn't track this quote down, so I didn't know how many layers of uh, brilliance the writers, you know, probably a few steps ahead of me. How should he love thee? For how something, who would not leave him? He said he's quoting Poe, Derek, which he could have been. I just wasn't able to track it down. Because uh, so, I didn't know if it was like actually something else. Because I'm like, oh, it's a little bit like Emily Browning. 
Yeah, so I don't know if it was Poe or Shakespeare or something else. Uh, Derek's also in a tux with a martini. Re- oh, he's he's been rebooted about a half million times. Each time he gets a little bit smarter. And also, you know, Derek's within the uh, the Paul Shear Venn diagram. You know, layovers with the Paul Shear Venn diagram that we talked about last week. Uh, Michael's going to design. Oh, they go over the rules. Judge Michael and Sean. Michael's going to design the uh, neighborhood. Bad place gets a you pick the humans, but they have to be the same general badness. Uh, so no boy band managers. It's funny, Derek and Janet are sitting in this meeting. Mike, who can adjust the neighborhood, uh, poof, uh, an issue, where do we get, oh, where, where are we going to get the residents? Uh, oh, this is when Derek shows up. He says, would anyone want a medium snack? Uh, he is a fancy martini, he calls them or something. He, it's just a glass of olives. I wonder if there's behind the scenes shots of this, like the, cra- the uh, what are they called? The cast cracking up. One, your... I don't know what that means. Well, one year they get a, a Janet. This looks like I said B-A-D-A-A-S. Uh, no cheating. Oh, Janet. Oh, Janet, baby. So Janet says, I'll make the residence. Uh, uh, no cheating. Sean uses a hand buzzer on Michael and Derek. Uh, and then Michael and Janet start building. Uh, they're going to start basic. It, it seems like it's very similar to Michael's Neighborhood. And Michael goes, well, how many ideas? This is a really nice moment. Really, really. Uh, she says, Mike says, how many ideas you got, Janet? She goes, 11 trillion. And he goes, in genuine way, he goes, I'm so glad you're here. And she says, yeah, me too. Really, uh, I don't know, this complicated wholesomeness. I don't know how else to describe it, a real emotional resonance uh, uh, that the acting and the writing are able to carry. Uh, first up is a cafe, restaurant name here. So basic, Michael says, and he laughs. Uh, much of it is like the old good, bad place. Uh, then Eleanor and Cheedy. All right, Eleanor's old house. Uh, she says, why would you want to live here? She goes, well, this is the place we fell in love. So of course I want to live here. And they talk about, he says, I love you too. And then they kind of talk about how they're going to get to be like a normal couple, uh, which was also very cute. Michael's in a nice suit, but it's not with a bow tie. It's with a long tie. This is in the new media the new testing place or whatever. The new faux good place. Uh, long tie. Uh, Jason's there. They're watching Janet create a... Uh, uh, Daphne it seems really hard on Janet. She has to put a lot of work into it, a little bit like a la- laborous. Uh, and Derek shows up. Uh, he says, If I help, we could be done in two shakes of a lamb's tail. Uh, classy, mature, oh, classy martini. He just has a glass with a lemon in it. You know, Jason's uncertain. So I guess it's good that they're offering us, like, probably me. And uh, yeah, I don't want to talk to speculate, but, uh, you know, as Jason and Janet get closer together, then Derek's here to kind of stir stuff up. So maybe, well, we don't, let's not speculate what's going to happen next episode. Uh, Michael's back in the office, and now he has a bow tie on. The judge calls, but it's really Sean cranking him. Uh, likes Michael's idea about be, 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 uh, be, 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 using the word be a lot uh, and flattening things. Uh, he has a fake Michael there and a fake Michael suit. Vicky's the one in the suit. Uh, talks about what, you know, the Soul Squad's future. You know, Michael's tie was like a purple watercolor tie. Navy polka dot pocket square uh, thing by pop-up. Uh, well, there's a pop-up on the wall that has a wake-up time for the first arrival to a good place. Yeah, with the countdown. Michael's looking over like a dot matrix printout, like a two tone one with the green and the white, so maybe it's easier to read. I don't know. Uh, uh, Eleanor shows up. How you doing? Uh, and Michael says, a little jittery. Yeah, plums are for wimps. What does that mean? Oh, Eleanor, this is very similar to me. Eleanor and I are very similar people. She goes, plans are for wimps. I don't say that, but she goes, let's do this shell strap style. Which is the way I did it. Uh, to, that's the way I did it too. Which is basically uh, fake it and don't barely make it. Uh, 
Because it was like one way I found it, there were times I could take a test and still get a D without doing anything or a C. It wasn't exact. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great time, you know, but uh, it was shell straps. I didn't know it was called shell strap style. It was called, uh, take it alone out for this style. Uh, Eleanor peeks out uh, at the person who's out there, 648119, or no, that's the plan they're going to enact. Eleanor says, dude, relax. Your plan will be great. Your friends will always trust you. And this is another rug that's kind of always under Michael that we're wondering when it's going to be pulled out at different times. You know, this idea of like uh, all of them loving one another. And what happens when you trust people uh, and you let them down? Uh, so uh, they also wondered about Eleanor's entrance and exit method. They didn't see how she entered because the, the human or the or new arrivals in the waiting room. And we still get one more thing, which I think offers unbelievable creative potential for the next episode, which is Michael uh, says, here I go, here I go. And I'm gone, Michael says. And then he says, I can't do it. Uh, I can't go out there. You know, it's too much stakes. Or, and uh, the person says, uh, hello. And uh, the person, uh, Mike says, I can't do it. And then there's a zoom on Eleanor's face like as she tries to figure out what to do. And with that, the episode came to a conclusion. Okay, so let's see. I'm running through here. She sees the time knife. Uh, Okay, so steampunk, well, this wasn't steampunk, and we've kind of covered steampunk on there. Yeah, you thought we'd talk about a little bit about steampunk novels. I got a couple of different articles here. Uh, this one's from Bustle. It's from July 26, 2016, by Sean Fitzpatrick. Eight steampunk novels every reader will love. Uh, Sean kind of talking about being in a coffee shop that had a lot of steampunk uh, style, antique stuff. Uh, they said steampunk might always be cool. Uh, for those who aren't fur- familiar with the term, steampunk is a subgenre of f- science fiction or fantasy that takes place in a world empowered by powered by 19th century machinery, uh, kind of like an alternative historical environment. Victorian England is popular. Uh, futuristic ideas, old-fashioned technologies, uh, like uh, the Disney animated movie Atlantis or the novel Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, you might have seen people in like a Victorian gown uh, with uh, futuristic stuff uh, at cons before. Might not be for everyone, but uh, Sean's always loved the aesthetic and has uh, looked for stuff. Uh, and here's some st- steampunk novels. So number one, the, Gold, the Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. Cool, I didn't know that. Uh, Infernal Devices by K.W. Jester. I read this book at like... Uh, it definitely needed someone to read it with me, which I didn't do. Uh, but it, it, uh, it, and this is supposed to be one of the uh, first, one of the first uh, steampunk uh, novels, uh, not written by Jules Verne. Uh, Soul Squadless uh, by Gail Carriger. Uh, this looks interesting too. Uh, uh, supernatural stuff. Uh, uh, something hired by Queen Victoria, Mortal Engines by Philip Reeves, which is a movie that uh, either came out or is about to come out. So you may have seen the things. Uh, uh, cities attach themselves in wheels and engines and move around Earth uh, looking for uh, resources. Leviathan, I don't know if I've read this one. Uh Steampunkified WW1 era Europe. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, so that sounds cool too. The Glass Books of the Dream uh, Consumers uh, by Gordon Dahlquist. Uh, Miss Temple's fiance. Sorry, I don't want to read too much about him, but these are all great. like I'll link to the thing. Uh, mansion, because uh, especially because it's like. Uh, not everything you can read. Uh, Automatic Woman by Nathan Yoakum. Uh, let's see. Swan Lake. A uh, bit of a mystery. Uh, the Invention of uh, Hugo Cabret by Brian Selznick. Uh, this is a Caldecott Award winner. 
uh, Paris train station, fixing clocks, uh, uh, automaton, uh, so that's cool. So those are some, and then uh, over here, oh, maybe I'll be wrong. This is steampunkworkshop.com, nine, num- nine novels that, uh, it defined a steampunk. Uh, this is by Jonathan Grayshade. And let's see if there's any of these. Uh, uh, Gears of Brass, a steampunk anthology. The Difference Engine uh, by uh, William Gibson and Bruce Sterling. I read that a long time ago. Agency by William Gibson. Uh, the Anibus Gates uh, by Tim Powers. Morlock Knight, I read that one. That's like part two of, uh, I'm pretty sure that was the one. That's part two of uh, A Journey to the Center of the Earth. Or, you know, an imaginary one. Uh, Tim Powers, Alternate Roots, uh, Infernal Devices, uh, Mortal Engines, Book Three. So so maybe maybe that was an automated list. Let's see. Yeah, that was okay. So that was like Morlock Knights, uh, which came out in '79. Anibus Gates, '83. Uh, Homunculus uh, by James Blaylock. I think I read another book by Blaylock. Uh, that one came out in '86. Uh, Infernal Devices. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. Oh, that was by J. Uh, that's by G- G- K.W. Jeter as well. Yeah, I think I mentioned that. Then in the '90s, The Difference Engine. Uh, Lord Kelvin's Machine by James Blaylock. Uh, then Michael Morlock, uh, uh, who's proto steampunk, uh, like uh, Warlords of the Air, The Land of Leviathan, and The Steel Sar. So, Sar, uh, right? Sar. Uh, then it kind of goes, oh, so that's the end of it. So, so it's another cool list of, you know, if you're looking for something to read that's a little bit, uh, you know, different, but recommended, check some of those books out. Uh, the other thing that Pipes remind me of, and I think I've talked about this on the show, was a show that was on, uh, called Steampipe Alley with the great Mario Cantone. Uh, it was, uh. It ran. It was a children's television production from WWOR TV. I think it probably ran on um, WPIX for me, uh, but it was on the air from '88 to '93, which meant I shouldn't have been watching it because I was too old. It was in eighth grade, but uh, yeah, Mario Cantone, Ted M A L L I E Mali. And each episode had celebrity guests, recurring segments, uh, comedy sketches, games. It was kind of like a local TV show with a little bit broader reach. It had Looney Tunes and Max Fleischer cartoons. Uh, the series was written by Judy Katzschock, uh, Rick Derman, senior, senior producer. Uh, Cantone played, like, like, what I liked best is that Cantone kind of uh, was a, uh, Really, he was showing range. Uh, he played Julia Children, who was like a Julia Childs. Uh, Joe Rivers, a comedian, the brother of Joan Rivers. Uh, uh, Pavarachi, uh, kind of like, uh, and that one doesn't sound very good. Uh, Chow Aldo in uh, uh, Proper Fragrances. Ted Ringer. Uh, Frankie D, who was like Sinatra. Uh, Richie Morales, Sammy Sammy Jr., Rex Can Read, a parody of Rex Reed, and Angelo Antonelli. Uh, they had a segment in the sewer, Dream Date Game, Where in the World, Steampipe Theater, Cecil B. B. DeMario, uh, uh, something to think about, Cream the Teacher, where they're throwing pies at their teacher. Uh, a lot of other stuff. A National Gallery of Excuses. Uh, mystery Guest. Uh, brain Drain. Uh, a little bit like Double Dare. So just a show I, I really, uh, I don't know, I just always had a soft spot for it. Uh, let's see, what's next? Oh, this one is a really, this is a universetoday.com, which is a space and astronomy news site. 
this article is from December 10th, 2014, by Matt Williams at Universe in 10 Dimensions. Uh, when someone says different dimensions, we think of them like parallel universes, alternate realities. However, the reality dimensions and how they play a role in the ordering of our universe is quite different than the, that characterization. Uh, to break it down, uh, dimensions are different facets of what we perceive to be reality. Uh, we're immediately re- aware of the three dimensions that surround us on a daily basis uh, and that uh, define the length, width, and depth of objects in our universe is on the X, Y, and Z axes. Beyond these uh, visible dimensions, uh, scientists believe that there are maybe many more. Uh, in fact, within the theoretical framework of the superstring theory, uh, we exist in 10 different dimensions. I don't know if we do. That's my ego talking. Uh, Let's run through what they have here on Universe Today. The universe, first dimension is uh, which, uh, that which gives it length, the, the x-axis, axi, uh, which uh, is a straight line, exists not in, only in terms of length uh, and has no other discernible qualities. When you add the second dimension, the y-axis or height, you can get a two-dimensional shape like a square. Third dimension involves the z-axis of depth, uh, which gives a, air, a sense of area and cross-section. The fourth dimension is time, which governs the properties of all known matter at any given point. Uh, knowing an object of uh, position in time is essential to plotting its position in the universe. Uh, so other dimensions are, uh, the other dimensions are where deeper possibilities come into play. Uh, according to superstring theory, fifth and sixth are where notions of possible worlds arise. If we could see them through the f- fifth dimension, we would see a world slightly different from our, our own. Uh, and that would give us the means of measuring the similarity and differences between our world and the other ones. In the sixth dimension, we see a plane of possible worlds, uh, where we could compare and position all the possible universes that start with uh, the same initial conditions, uh, Big Bang. In theory, if you could master the fifth and sixth dimensions, you could travel between all of them, maybe. Oh, here's a seventh dimension would be possible worlds that start with the different initial conditions. So that would be, wow. The eighth dimension gives us a plane of such possible universe histories each of which begins with different initial conditions and branches out indefinitely, so infinity, say. In the ninth, we can compare all possible universe histories with uh, all the different possible laws of physics and initial conditions. And in the tenth dimension, which where they, the, that's the point where, in which everything possible and imaginable is covered. Beyond this, nothing can be imagined by mortals, uh, which makes it the limitation of what we can conceive in terms of dimensions. Uh, the existence of six dimensions, uh, which we cannot per- perceive, is necessary for string theory. It's necessary for string theory in order for there to be consistency in nature. Uh, the fact that we can only perceive four dimensions of space is explained by two mechanisms. Uh, either the extra dimensions are compactified on a small scale or else our world may live on a three-dimensional sub-manifold corresponding to a BRA and E, on which all known particles beside gravity would be strict restricted. Uh, if the extra dimensions are compactified, then the extra six dimensions must be, this might be where this is a knife thing, Kalabi-Yau-Manifold, uh, while imperceptible to our senses, uh, they would have governed the formation of the universe from the very beginning. And that's why uh, it, it goes on to like, uh, like, this is like other candidates for the grand unifying theory or like the great podcast theory of everything. The belief that the universe is made up of 10 dimensions is an attempt to reconcile the standard model of particle physics with the existence of gravity. In short, it's an attempt to explain how all known forces within our universe interact and how other forces themselves might work. And that's just, so I'll link to that uh, a new, nice little article there. Okay, what about uh, Diane Fossenberg? Uh, 
uh, let's see, Belgian-American fashion designer, best known for wrap dress, uh, W-R-A-P, uh, rose to, to prominence uh, when she married into the House of Faustenberg in Germany as uh, the wife of Prince Egon von Faustenberg, also a ghostbuster. Oh, no, somebody's telling me, my brain's saying it's not... Uh, her fashion company, uh, Diane von Fostenberg, or DVF, uh, is available in over 70 countries, 45 freestanding shops, headquarters in the boat, uh, flagship boutique are in uh, Manhattan. Uh, she's president of the Council of Fashion Designers of America, 68th most powerful woman in the world, according to some magazine. Yeah, let's see what else we need to know. Uh, um, in 74 is when she introduced the knitted jersey wrap dress, an uh, example of which, due to its influence on women's fashion, is a centerpiece of the Costume Institute at the uh, MoMA. After the success of the wrap dress, uh, she was featured in you know, magazines, big time. Her popularity you know, really started to grow. Uh, been a really amazing uh, business person. Let's see what else. Uh, 2009, uh, uh, Michelle Obama wore the DVF signature chain link print wrap dress on the White House Christmas card. Uh, in 2010, uh, Von Fostenberg uh, uh, was awarded a gold medal uh, at the Gold Medal Gala. Uh, 2012, first children's collection. Uh, she's a philanthropist and director of the Diller von Faustenberg uh, Family Foundation. Uh, let's see, well, anything else? Uh, nothing there, but I did find this great article on Vogue.com. Uh, it's from 20, it's for 2013, because uh, I just want to find out more. And I don't know if it was 2013 or 2014, because the joke is about 2013 that Tahani made. Uh, but this is Vogue Runway uh, about... Uh, uh, the 2013 uh, Diane von Fostenberg Ready to Wear collection. Articles written uh, September 8th, 2012, by Nicole Phelps. Uh, quote Some fairy tales end with a girl marrying the prince. Uh, dot, dot, dot. Some start there. So, we'll read the quote at the top of the notes for the spring show, which was dubbed Palazzo. You can see where this is going. Uh, uh, the girl in question is no other than von Faustenberg herself. She's led quite a life. Uh, today, it yielded a collection that was colorful, continent, confident, and keyed into some of fashion. This fashion moment's big trends. Uh, these days, you know, von Faustenberg sits on a huge business enterprise. Uh, but this outing did was tap into the uh, designer's uh, bohemian spirit, pearl studding, bright color blocking. Uh, uh, oh, with their pearl studding and bright color blocking, boardroom suits, these were not. And to remind us, she's a venturous soul. She's always been uh, uh, Von Fossenberg, partner with Google to do a show behind the scenes film for Google Glass. Uh, and like some of her, her models, uh, she wore them down the runway. So that's just a little bit. I'll link to that article. It didn't say anything about the prints, but you could see some of the prints. Uh, in the slideshow that I'm linking to, you say, okay, I see where they're coming from, I think. I don't know that much about fashion. Okay, let's get to, uh, my, there's a lot of other stuff I'm going to link to in the notes, uh, but let's just go from my Rudolph. Uh, from the Groundlings, uh, shout out to my friend Annie, who's in a, like, uh, uh, you know, if you're in the L.A., go to a Groundlings show. Uh, uh, my Rudolph uh, was also a member of the alternative rock band The Rentals, then joined the Groundlings, uh, then was cast in Saturday Night Live, and then became a movie star. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of movies you recognize her from, uh, particularly Bridesmaids, which she shined in. Uh, let's see. Uh, she's done her own shows, so she's currently on The Good Place. Uh, Rudolph was born in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, let's see what else. Saturday Night Live uh, uh, started in the 99-2000 series uh, season. 
uh, sort of she met her uh, Will Forte, who was talking about, you know, my forte is uh, Rudolph and Forte. Uh, quickly used her musical talents so she could sing and do uh, Prince and Beyonce. Beyonce, right? Not Beyonce. She also was able to play characters of both genders, uh, including uh, Mario Vasquez, uh, uh, Scott Joplin, uh, Justin Garini. Oh, he was, I think he was on uh, um, America's Idol, whatever, American Idol. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, uh, she returned to the show. Her last episode was in 2007, but she came back uh, and played Michelle Obama and sang with, uh, to Amy Poehler's a story about Amy Poehler's new baby. Uh, she was also in the 2008 Christmas special uh, that did her sketch show Bronx Beat with Amy Poehler. Uh, she was in a few sketches in the 2008-2009 season with Will Ferrell. Uh, she played Oprah Winfrey, uh, on a sketch in 2009, 2010. Uh, let's see. Uh, she's a guest host, uh, for the season 36 premiere hosted by Amy Pro Poehler. Uh, or no, she returned to that. She should have been, well, I mean, okay, so, uh, she also returned for the season 36 premiere, uh, to be again, that was hosted by Amy Poehler. Uh, and then, uh, again in 2015 for a Christmas episode with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Oh, and then the 41st, uh, season finale, which was hosted by Fred Armisen. So really, I, I don't know, just, just an amazing, amazing, uh, comedian. Like I said, let's just read about the music. Cause I did not know that, uh, uh, prior to joining SNL, uh, Rudolph was a backup singer and briefly keyboardist in the band The Rentals, uh, with whom she toured for a short time. She was in their music videos for their songs Waiting and Please Let That Be You. She sang backing vocals for Barcelona and My Head Is In The Sun. Uh, let's see, she did a cover of Tegan and Sarah's Not Tonight. Uh, my, my Rudolph also... Performed in Together is in Pooping and Little. Uh, another song with Triumph, uh, The Dog. Uh, and she's in a Prince cover band called Princess with her friend Gretchen. I don't know. I, I just really, really looked forward. Anytime I, I find out she's in a project, I really look forward to it. And then I didn't know about this, I don't think. Uh, so I don't know. It just carries a lot of things. Uh, I'm going to link to a bunch of other things, but let's just touch on Limp Bizkit. Uh, B-I-Z-K-I-T. They're a rap rock band from Jacksonville, Florida. Fred Durst, uh, Sam Rivers, John Otto, and DJ uh, Turntables, Wes Borland. Uh, and uh, Borland, I guess, has an elaborate... This was one of those bands that became, like I said, uh, where I, this was a long time ago, and I said, man, I'm out of touch. And like uh, I said, suddenly they were super popular. I guess because I don't listen to the radio. Uh, and I was like, what the heck? Uh, like, that, they were like the biggest, they were one of the biggest things in the world. Uh, and I'm sure they're still doing, uh, I guess I just don't know. Let me see when they hit their peak, though. Because that would have been when I was like, what? Uh, looks like the like early aughts or like the end of the 90s. So I was already out of touch then. And you're like, geez, uh, yeah, I think the right at the like switch of the year, switch of that. Uh, uh, they're just su super popular, and uh, see if they're still touring here. It looks like they had a reunion in two thousand nine to two thousand eleven. Uh, oh no, two thousand twelve to the present. They're at Cash Money Records. Uh, in twenty twelve, they toured Australia. Um, yeah, so just a little bit. It, it just, it, I couldn't believe they were from Jacksonville. I guess that was the main thing. I was like, you, holy cow. Oh, I see Westmoreland. Yeah, he, he's totally in, uh, a dress, like very kiss ask. Uh, again, something I just didn't know about. I, I, and it was just my fault because I'm out of touch. Uh, let's close it out one more note, though. Uh, here's a poem by Poe. But it's, I don't think it's a poem, but I, I thought it was good because it's, uh, the name of the poem is A Dream Within a Dream by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, take a kiss upon the brow, and in parting from you now, 
Thus much let me avow. You are not wrong who deem that my days have been a dream. Yet if hope has flown away in night or in a day, in a vision or in none, is it therefore the less gone? All we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. I stand amid the roar of a surf-tormented shore, and I hold within my hand grains of the golden sand. How few, yet how they creep through my fingers to the deep, while I weep, while I weep. Oh God, can I not grasp them with a tighter clasp? Oh God, can I not save one from the pitiless wave? Is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream? That's Edgar Allan Poe. That's a good place to go out. Uh, uh, here's some thank yous and some good nights. Thanks, everybody.